Sometimes co-host, today co-host, Covenants, VP, Sustainability, Sustainability and Innovation. Innovation. Matt McClellan. How you doing, folks? What's up, sir? It's been good. It's been a minute since I've been here. You've had a uh, nice nice morning. It's uh, nice weather over here in Chattanooga. I know you're taking a, a, a whip around for a ride. And you also said uh, you may have not come empty-handed. I did. I brought bearing gifts. Is now a good time to do it? Now, yeah, it's, like, now it's okay. better than ever. Okay, so one of the things that... Tim, you and I have in common, other yes. than than um, than boys. Yes, right? I have a son. You have sons, plural. But but you know, you probably saw this coming. We have a Lego. Yes, fascination. So, I there is a a set that you can no longer buy. They quit making it. Ooh. And I had a few extra ones. Okay. And so this is. Oh wow. This oh, is wow. the 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 VW bus. The VW bus. This Get on the bus. This is an iconic. You know, because I'm a van life guy. Right? Sure. I have a Sprinter van. I don't have quite one of these, but um, you could either, you could build this. Yeah. You could hold on to it as a future appreciation, part of your investment portfolio. You know, I wrote about that in the newsletter once, right? That it's it's more valuable to retain these than most of the stocks you have. Is this um, uh, advertising for, uh, yeah, this well, is okay. Hey, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Lego, like Lego, VW, very cool. There you go. I just upped the ante on, uh, actually, you have another, there's been some people that have sent you Lego sets in the past. Yes, yeah, so I've gotten some decent ones. Yeah. So, that, that's anyway. really cool, though. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Hey, by the way, big news over here. Did you happen to be on Twitter this morning or LinkedIn? LinkedIn, yes. Twitter, no. X. So, Sorry, X. Our, uh, our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, founder and CEO of Freightwaves, he just put up a tweet that, say, that says, today marks the end of a chapter for Freightwaves. Our sonar offering has reached a significant scale where it will be standalone media and the media business is being divested. Sounds scary, right? Nope, same boss, new boss, same as the old one. As, as John Kingston said, as, as the song goes, the media business will be in familiar hands. Craig Fuller has bought the media side. Sonar, the data side, has different customers, different people they have to answer to. This creates a firewall between the media, and it also rolls us into this new company called Firecrown, which is Craig Fuller's, where he owns Flying Media, and he owns a bunch of boating magazines. I think there's 37, maybe 40 different publication brands he owns now. So it's going to be an awesome opportunity. There's still going to be all this freight. There's still going to be freight waves. You're not going to see anything change there. It's just behind the scenes. We're also going to be developing content for some of these other. What the truck's businesses. not going anywhere, right? What the truck's not going anywhere. We're, we're going to be even stronger. In fact, now that we don't have to worry about also investing in the sonar arm through this company, we will have a bigger budget for our shows, which will be nice. I'm excited. Fantastic. I'm excited. We um, So Covenant uh, Logistics, we're, we're a sonar customer. We love it. It's this raw lump of clay that you can do all kinds of really great things with and our pricing folks love it it's a great product clock a little plug there for little plug there hey yeah, you were just on. over at ces any good freight tech over there is that worth going to if you were in our space yeah so ces consumer electronic show you know it's funny i don't i don't know why they call it the consumer electronic show anymore because there's this massive sort of uh, mobility piece to it now that is all about autonomous and alternative fuels. So in fact, you walk in to the West Hall, yeah. there's a giant Packard booth with a hydrogen powered class eight truck, uh, electric truck, um, um, you, you know, and, and all of their salespeople there and you keep going in and there's Goodyear and Bridgestone and all these things that really don't have anything to do with consumer electronics. So um, I've been going to it for about seven years now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, a lot of my peers and some of the other fleets we go to it. Um, some of the great things that I saw there, Dooner, was um, a lot of autonomous there. A lot of autonomous there in the class eight space. A lot of electrification, a lot of latest and greatest with hydrogen. It was um, really encouraging to see how much investment's going into this. It was a lot of fun, some great vendors. Um, it, was I there with you? No, we're, I was in Vegas with you. We were in Vegas about a year ago, but we were at a completely different event. Oh, a different event, wasn't CES, okay. Yeah, yeah. anything that you think would, would make place, would make sense for Covenant at this time or just your own personal interest? You're like, you know what? Maybe not now, but a few years down the road, this oh, is it. You know, you don't have enough time on the show to answer yeah. that question fully. But, you know, when I go to CES, I go for three reasons. Yeah. I go there for pre-arranged meetings, had a lot of autonomous, you know, and there was a lot of things around the autonomy space. 
I go and I look at this hall through the perspective of my fleet sunglasses, right? So I'm looking at all these solutions or these things that we would adopt. Lots of cool camera technology and AI for uh, driver distraction and things like that, kind of looking at that. And then the last third of it is I go looking through the eyes of being a guy who loves electronics. Samsung and um, LG have some really cool televisions and some things coming out. Dishwashers, refrigerators, like it sounds like stupid to think that there's electronics involved in that that would make our lives easier (laughs) it's just crazy did they do they have the so apple vision pro all the reviews came out on youtube yesterday all the all the apple influencers had their reviews out it's kind of a mixed bag what do you think of augmented and mixed reality in freight um you know first time my wife put on a a, she she almost walked down the stairs by accident (laughs) Got hurt. Oh, she had like a MetaQuest. She put, on or she put the thing on. She put the like the the, go- the Oculus goggles yes. on, and she almost like ran into the, the staircase. Oh no! Yeah. Um, in trucking, you know, um, warehousing, there are a lot of applications for it. Yeah. You know, you put on the um, augmented reality, which is different than virtual reality, and you kind of walk around and says, "Go left, go right, pick this, pick that." So, you know, there's a lot of technology going on with that. Um, driving space, I don't know. I don't. I, um, I think I want my drivers with the eyes on the road. Oh, no. I mean, like, you think uh, you could see brokers wearing these, booking loads. You think you could see the office people wearing these. Uh, warehouse workers, perhaps. They're really expensive. That's the problem. People yeah. go like, oh, there's all these, like, applications. You know what the main review said? They said it was kind of like a dev kit because you have the battery that has a mm-hmm. wire attached to it. You got to wear it on your side. And um, in the commercials, you know how they show, like, you can see eyeballs in it? Yep, yep, people can yep. see your face. I guess, like, in real life, though, that does not translate nearly as well. I, the limited experience I have is with the, um, is with the Oculus, which is full on VR. Um, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I, I don't see how it can make a broker's job easier. Yeah. What about Neuralink, man? First patient, Elon Musk, first patient. You put the Neuralink on there. You think you start booking loads with your mind? A lot of hush hush around that. They didn't really give a whole lot of details, but, yeah. um, a lot of monkeys died. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think they're going to use it initially for, um, things like, um, Alzheimer's and, you know, we'll I see. don't know. You know, Elon's impressed us in a lot of other areas. Why not this one? We'll see. That's a little too far on forward thinking, though, for maybe the. Yeah, that's that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to be following. Yeah. Yeah. What, Sorry, what, I don't know more about that. What do you think of the, What do you think of the big news out of UPS? They cut 12,000 workers, and they may sell Coyote now. They might be spinning it off. Um, one thing I found really interesting in Mark Solomon's article, which you can read on Freightways.com, there's actually a, cu- a couple going after this, but UPS says they lost 40 percent of their business during these union contract negotiations. Now, those went through, Biden held them, Biden championed it, and uh, now, in their earnings call, UPS CEO Carol Tomey said that 2023 was a unique and quite candidly difficult and disappointing year. We experienced declines in volume, revenue, and operating profits along all three of our business segments. Now, that isn't that confusing. Last year was a a sort of tough year. Uh, A lot of companies had overstaffed during the pandemic. UPS, I mean, to be fair too, this is a company with over 500,000 workers, so 12,000 does absolutely sound like a lot, but in the grand scheme of how big UPS is, there's 500,000. But the really interesting part is they spent $1.8 billion back in 2015 for Coyote, and now they may be looking to sell it or spin it off, and they said they didn't fully understand the heavily cyclical nature of Coyote's business Never heard of that in a brokerage, right? <laughs> Which has manifested over the past eight years. I mean, it's literally called the Coyote Curve, Matt. I wonder if it was Coyote or as much as they were just looking for a piece of business that wasn't key for what they were. I mean, look what happened to Yellow with the Teamster and yeah. that, you know, maybe maybe Coyote was just a victim of something bigger. Maybe. Maybe. And maybe that's they have to pay for those UPS contracts one way or another. Uh, Andrew Silver said, hope whoever buys it gives me a call. That would be a nice full circle moment. Yeah, no kidding. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. His, uh, his dad's pretty busy with mastery right now, but yeah, maybe he could... 10X Logistics Experts was not as kind. He said, this is the most ridiculous statement for the CEO of one of the largest logistics companies in the world to make. If this is true, what she says, then most of the executives at UPS should be fired immediately. I'm not necessarily sure about that, but I'm like, Coyote and not understanding really how our brokerage works. I mean, look, it's an earnings call too. They could just be saying that because those are words to say. Like yeah. we Because like, look, you're UPS. You have to know about seasonality. What about Christmas season? I think if anybody wrote the book on that, it was them and their competitors down in Memphis. Them and their competitors? I used to work for one of them. FedEx yeah, sure. Right Networks, Purple Promise, y'all. Hey, we have an awesome show today, by the way. We got Matt here co-hosting with us, by the way, in the comments. Let us all think, let us know what you think about UPS and uh, what you think about Coyote. But coming up, just a second here, Junction Collaborative Transports, Elon Wyland. He's calling in from sunny Southern California. He goes to the port and drayage update. We're also going to find out how they're preparing for new regulations, like no new diesels at the port. They got wear going on out there. 
A lot happening to impact his clients. We got big truck. Yeah, we got truck based on today. Their uh, founder and CEO, Brian Jones. It's an AI based dispatch tool. He's going to come on, give us a little demo. Tell us how that works. But there's a lot of AI at CEO. A lot of AI, a lot of ML, machine learning. Can't wait to see that one. And hey, with the news and the restructuring, some people are leaving. We're going to wave goodbye to Justin Martin as he uh, hits the fast lane towards his future endeavors. He's done some great work here for the past two years, but he's going on out into the wild, taking a chance on his own. He's going to talk about the Take Our Border Back Convoy, which, uh, spoiler, it fizzled out pretty bad. Yeah. We talked about it on Monday, but yeah. There's a CDL bribe scam going on with Massachusetts State Police, some dangers of GPS, parking problems, safety tech, and TikTok double brokers but look ian wyland the container daddy himself yeah. is sitting right there ian you know my friend matt over here i do not uh but i definitely will connect here after the show well, absolutely this- what's on your shirt i can't what is that a big oh that's their that's logo. logo oh that's your logo okay yeah, yeah. so matt is <laughs> the director of sustainability and innovation over at covenant so big changes like some of the stuff we're going to talk today um may not impact you just yet because you don't run a lot of drayage out of the port but no but we would like to I yeah mean, we're, yeah we would yeah. like to so he's very interested it's going to be a good conversation yeah. but before we get there let's introduce you how are you guys are um drayage is uh Dray- drayage in california is what i would call a cluster uh yeah. right now as far as like what to do everything's changing by the minute nothing's being regulated um you've got ab5 yeah, yeah everything's like bananas like everyone starts scrambling finding carriers uh reallocating drivers and then it's there's zero enforcement then you've got uh clean trucks everyone's scrambling everyone's scrambling everyone's diesel electric 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 no more diesels scrambling law doesn't get enforced now you've got where uh coming down the pipeline hey this is what it is, this is you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine guess what no enforcement um, everything is like, it, it's, it's a com- complete crapshoot as far as what's going on. How do we, how do you plan for it? If there are no regulations or there are stated regulations without enforcement, how does a trucking company, a warehouse company, 3PL, whatever, how do they plan for it? And realistically you don't, you just wing it. And that's drayage 101 today in California. Ian, you made some big investments for this this no new diesels ruling, right? It was supposed to be the beginning of the year. It got kicked to when today is today the last day that you, supposedly you can register a diesel at the port. What you? I know you're so mad because you put investments in this, right? Is this really frustrating you? Uh, like the drainage market itself here, you've got two types of people. You've got the planners and the no planners. The no planners, uh, I would say, they're just winging it because there is zero enforcement. And then you've got the guys that did plan for it. For us, we doubled down on diesels, uh, not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, I mean, you've seen EVs are crazy, like as far as uh, the market itself. Like, do they work? How long does it run for? How many do I have? I mean, it, it's a complete smoke. Those that advertise it is a complete smoke and mirrors because I, other than like the big boy steamship lines, um, you've got what guys that have four, five, six trucks. Uh, right now, the waiting time on trucks is about six months. Ooh. Matt, what's your experience? Because, you know, you're tasked with that at Covenant. you got to think about the future and sustainability. And I talked to you about this a lot. We've talked about it for years. And, it, and, and you always seem to be like, I like some of the options, but they're not ready for, for us yet. How do you plan for, for stuff like this? Like what he has to deal with? Well, you know, we don't have a lot of drayage work. Yeah. Um, in but California, but, but I mean, like the last truck that was inventoried, I think it's good for 10 years, right? Isn't that the, you know, exactly. so we, they, we've kicked the can down the road for a while, but you know, companies like Shell and others are making big investments in the ports with hydrogen. You know, we're starting to see some of those solutions coming online. You know, what I don't think people understand, you know, Ian is, um, or when I say people, I don't mean you, I mean, shippers is that, you know, the, the cost increase that is going to come with operating these alternative fuels, it's just going to be, it has to be passed along at some point. And yeah. so, you know, a hydrogen sure. delivery versus a diesel delivery will be not insignificant. What is yeah, that? As an operator, I mean, the yeah. learning curve takes, you, you don't know. If I tell somebody I'm going to pull their load and it's going to cost, I don't know, let's say 500 bucks. And then on the back end, I'm like, wait, the uh, we ran out of electric. We ran out of this. Can't deliver on time. Who's screwed? And and it's it's viewed from the shipper standpoint. It's viewed as the truck. And I don't really, you know, we're all learning as we go. Something else that's interesting, you know, Atree put out a study recently that says for every 
for the amount of freight that it takes for 100 diesel trucks to move in the port, it's going to take 134 battery electric trucks to do the same amount of work because the weight trade because the weight trade off. So you're sort of trading off one thing for congestion, right? You're trading the environment for emissions for, and 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 how's that going to work? You know, I don't know. And that's of course assuming that the lights don't go out and you know Newsom doesn't call everybody and say, hey, brownout alert. Ian, do they ask you your opinion at all when when these things are coming up? Do they ask the operating? You're laughing. I don't think they do. No, tr- truckers are typically the bottom of the barrel. Uh, so we're the last to find out. First to find out, uh, the, the last to be notified, like, hey, how is this going to work? Um, hey, operationally, how does this work? It, it, we're, we're, we are never, we're not typically part of the conversation. You've had, um, a, do you have EVs now? I know you had one for a little while. What's your experience been? Are, are your, your diesels have to still be dominating, right? Exactly. Uh, we had one. I don't have any at the moment. Now, that's not to say that we're planning for it. But again, it goes down to what happens with the de- with the electric is that it is more costly. So selling the electric truck into the what would be today's spot market is uh, almost next to impossible mm-hmm. in the in that no one wants to pay for it. Uh, rates are like, you know, bottoming out uh, tr- at the bottom of the trough. And if the they you know let's put it this way a diesel truck a, a run may cost 500 bucks with with the electric excuse me with the electric uh somebody wants to pay 400 they're getting a diesel for 350 uh it makes no sense then the ev ends up sitting uh to get your bang for your buck uh where i'm at right now is that you more or less need to dedicate them to uh like a particular customer a particular customer uh, set of customers man has this been your experience too when it comes to trying because you've test pilot an EV before too, right? Yeah, we've we've done two ninety day pilots for yeah. two different customers. They loved it, but you know when it comes down to presenting, you know, the cost differential, that's just not, you know, they they pass. If you if you have a if you have say a million dollars to spend on scope three emission reduction, you could get more reduction doing something else with that million dollars than spending it on freight. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with that, that's just kind of what we're seeing. I think in this year that may change a little bit. We've got some really big shippers that are really committed to it and expect me, expect our sales team to bring them ideas like electrified trailers. You had Ian on last week. Yeah. You know, that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, you know, Ian, um, I mean, Ian, Ian Rust, uh, Ian Rust not not Ian here. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a big fan. Hey, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. You know, I feel like California in particular, but the administration in in you know in general, they want home run, zero emission vehicle. That's the home run. Nobody is interested in singles, doubles, and triples. And I feel like I'd take a double um, over a home run if it was possible today. What, what I mean, what, what what's your opinion on that? The I feel like those that are making the laws are like so far out of touch with, excuse me, those that want to give their opinion of the law uh, are so far out of touch with those that are enforcing the law, enacting the law, and having to operate within the law, which would be us truckers. Um, it's, it's like an all, it really is an all or nothing uh, sort, sort of thing right now with, uh, with EVs and you know, the, the timeline, the deadline of 2035 with what would be the new, basically new operating model with hundred percent electric. Um, I would agree with you. Like we could go halfway, uh, you know, a single a double or triple, but what, what does that look like? I, I really don't know. Um, a lot of times wh- when it comes to the enforcement of the law, we, as long as we're given some sort of guideline, we can follow it, but without a guideline, without guidance, and you know, your punishment for not a hundred percent, it's tough to follow, and it's tough to kind of make it up. It's similar to like what the AB five went. I mean, you still have uh, dirty operating. Uh, I would say I say dirty in the sense of non-compliant uh, trucking companies. But what happens is they're not. If there's no enforcement, there's no guidelines. No, they're not really sure. Uh, what to do. And there, there's a huge gray zone. The gray zone is what 99% of people operate in because California uh, has failed to give these guidelines. 
Wow. How many, like, are there chargers at the ports now? We, we, we hear, like, they'll make a big deal. They broke ground and, like, put one in. <laughs> it's There's a couple. Um, so there's two models with EVs. You can buy your own, um, and, and you get wear credits for purchasing your own, uh, and those wear credits can be banked. Basically, if you don't use them all this year or your, your warehouse isn't this year, you can bank up to next year and you can save them. Um, as far as the charging, you've got your public chargers, which run, which the port uh, is basically promoting. And then you have the type of chargers. You have trucks uh, at a trucking yard. You have those types of chargers. And the public chargers, and then you have a leasing charger, which basically acts as like a, um, like, almost like a diesel gas station, like a fueling station. So I'm going to lease from this company. And in leasing from this company, I'm promising to basically charge my vehicles at your place for, you know, overnight or whenever they need to be charged. And then we basically come back and get them from the this charging station the next day. Um, that's typically the, the you got your own truckers, these stations, and then you've got what would be these public chargers that are trying to pop up. But if you, you, you look at them, there's nobody there's, there's nobody using them because there aren't any trucks. Wow. Wow. So, and there's been a lot of recalls too. So a lot of, a lot of clients have gone out and got these things. They've, they, they aren't even able to run them, which is another big challenge. Trucks not moving, wheels not moving, not only they're expensive, but now you're not making money. Let's talk about volumes for a second though. Are you seeing any change in any uptick in volume at the port in drayage activity uh, due to the Panama Canal or this Red Sea conflict? Are we seeing diversions over there yet? I'm not sure if that's showing in the numbers quite yet what was now what we're seeing today is 100 i'm up probably 35 percent as far as uh containers pulling that said i don't know if this is that or if this was what was scheduled back in december uh the january was supposed to be busy anyway i think we'll start seeing the red sea uh panama canal shenanigans i think we'll start to see it in february march I have start. I have started to see a, an uptick in the transload request, but realistically, right now it's still a pricing exercise. There hasn't been a huge like, oh my gosh, uh, we need 300 containers, uh, you know, Dre transload to send to the East Coast because it's not happening. It's it's more so a pricing exercise at the moment. Interesting, interesting. Maybe we'll see those tick up. We'll have to see. I, I know that I just read a report that there's. Um, even though rates have gone up a, a ton, uh, spot rates have gone up, ocean spot rates, there's still a ton of capacity out there. It's just taking a little bit longer to get over here. Now, now Matt, are you familiar with where at all, with the the, uh, the warehouse sort of act that is going on in SoCal in California where you have to reduce your emissions and they're looking at truck turns? And the credits, like you were talking about with you know buying electric trucks and I don't know, it's like sustainability by spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to get my arms around it. I just It just popped up on my radar a few weeks ago and we're looking at it with You're not the housing team. Mine too. Ian, Ian, give us a primer on this. Like, how is this going to impact uh, Matt? How will it impact me? How does it impact you? Um, how will it impact TBD? Uh, it, again, the guidelines aren't, they're there, but no one's enforcing them. Uh, these were supposed to start last year with warehouses over 250,000 square feet. That said, um, much like everything else, it's a self-reporting, which who's participating, who, who's honest. Uh, again, w w it's a wait and be seen. Uh, uh, there are credits. So basically, the way it works is that each warehouse has a menu of options. And on that menu happens to be the truck. Uh, it also is like your electrification of forklifts, uh, lighting, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but as far as trucking is concerned, it's basically you take, there is a spreadsheet calculator uh, you may have to hire a third party to figure this stuff out, but uh, I know I will. But basically, the number of truck turns in and out, uh, basically crossing the gates at the yard, uh, in conjunction with the size of the warehouse, equates to a max penalty that the the warehouse would receive on an annual basis, and it's it's much like a tax. They say it's not a tax, but hundred percent, it's a diesel tax. trucks. Yeah, diesel trucks. Diesel trucks. Yeah. So they want you to bring EVs and whatnot to these warehouses. It's about like the LED. Yeah. They want you to cross. They put third-party cameras that will register what comes in and what comes out of the yard. 
And then everything with an EV, it'll check off EV. Everything non, it'll check off non. So let's say the warehouse, and I'm making these numbers up, but let's say there's 500 points that you can accumulate as a maximum per your size of the warehouse. Well, uh, every EV truck that goes in and out of that, uh, crosses those gates, is essentially 100 bucks um, credit. So that said, at 100 bucks, my math's going to be way off here, but 100 bucks times X number of truck visits in a year, if you can uh, basically equate to that um, that 500 points, then you essentially won't owe the money. Um, is how it's supposed to work. But is there any enforcement? Is there any guidelines? Has anyone um, said anything yet? 100% no. Wow. wow. What do you think about all this? Sounds like Ian and I need to buy some electric trucks and just drive back and forth in and out of the guard shack. In, in and out of the, in in out front, of the guard in front shack? Of that, in front of the third-party camera. That's yeah, exactly what, what it's going to run uh, it, for now. Like as far as with people who get EVs, there'll be a yard across the street from the delivery location and you just hub to that yard and then you'll just basically in and out of the yard and it's like here look we're delivering with an ev uh because there aren't enough evs to operate in the market well like it so you just need like evs to be in front of the cameras but then like everything i don't know it seems pretty easy to game it seems like any of these point things it's easy to game it's drayage is a game Drayage is a game. What what trends do you see happen in, in, in that game this year? Are people just going to ignore all the sustainability stuff? What should people be concerned about in Drayage, especially insofar as SoCal goes? I think the larger players, as far as uh, the BCOs, will are their sustainability departments are coming down on them to make a change. That said, the operators at these facility uh, at these like large BCOs. Um, they're a little weary. So it's basically, let's say if, if someone does a thousand, that's not the, I, I would say like 5,000 containers and up is kind of like the threshold that uh, what I would call a larger BCO that they're looking at this. Uh, they're, they're going at these as a percentage. Uh, typically what would be this, this year is what I'm seeing. So if uh, at a hundred percent, maybe they're doing uh, 50 to 60% EV and then the rest they'll run on diesels. That way they, um, basically check the boxes off they need to for the sustainability department. And then they kind of figure out if, is this going to work? Is this valuable to us as an entity over time? It will be valuable because they're going to start getting charged for it. But at at the moment there's, there's limited to no value actual uh, dollar amounts other than what would be like a marketing department. The marketing department can boast how green they are um, in their, in their publications or wherever they advertise uh, we offset carbons, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if it's a brand like that, of course, they're going to go for that. But the larger guys will be this year. And then over the next, I would say, two to three years, you'll start to see uh, the middle tier. Uh, I say middle tier, but middle mid volumes to ultimately what would be your five or six years. I'd say it'll be your, your smaller shippers. And as there's more and more electric that comes into the market, that's what I'm saying with, with EVs. How's, how's the rail doing right now? Occasionally we hear about conflicts between drage and the rail. Everything looking good on the rail front? I, I Realistically, I only hear, I don't do much rail, but if I hear anything, that means it's going sideways, and I haven't heard anything. Well, Everything's pretty much flowing. All on-dock rail uh, is pretty much flowing at all terminals, um, at least flowing out of. Uh, kind of, it's been quiet. Well, aside from the sustainability stuff, what should uh, port shippers be concerned about this year? What should they look out for? Oh, that's a good. I, 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 this year, I obviously is like right now is the Red Sea, but it's all a matter of behavior. Is it going to change behavior uh, from the shippers, which will uh, direct the stuff back to West Coast? Um, they say it's like destined because of what the the market looks like, but. Um, it's kind of a wait and you're seen and be seen. Um, I, I think overall the, the sentiment I'm getting from shippers is that they want to know what's going on this year, uh, where the accessorial add-ons, uh, that occur during the move, they don't want to see that said, uh, limited chassis days, limited pre-pulls, uh, limited drop charges. Uh, I'm not, I don't pay that. I'm not paying that this year. Um, that's that's what I'm seeing, and that's what I'm feeling a lot from uh, basically all the RFPs. 
Ian, you've given us a lot to consider, a lot to think about. People who need help navigating uh, the ports, drayage, this uh, electrification, where, whatever, where do I send them to? Please uh, have them email me at rates at jctransports.com. Follow me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm the Container Daddy. Um, I would love to hear from you. (laughs) Container Daddy, yeah. Container Daddy. Good branding, good marketing. A little cowbell for you, sir. Take care. It sounds like a... It sounds like a tough thing. I can feel the frustration wafting off you, but uh, we're, we're all going to make it through. Let me add one more thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because they're, you know, I, I don't want anybody watching, especially the shippers, to mistake yeah. frustration with like being, you know, in this industry, they say pale, male, and stale. Yeah. Like, we just don't want to do anything differently. Um, I think altruism, regulation, shipper requests, like, I think people like Ian and I, fleets like us, we really want to play a role in decarbonization and, 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 doing better than where we are today but yeah. it's as you pointed out it's almost as if the regulators just forgot to include the actual operators in the conversation in terms of what's possible and when so um i think Ian, if we got together and hung out over a cup of coffee you know we both would express you know optimism for wanting to do better but it's just it's hard as a trucker, 100% as a trucker it's not it, it, it's not that we don't want to it's like what would you like us to do and we'll do it uh and then we'll move forward because yeah. it, at the end of the day, my goal is any other trucker's goal is get the loads done. More loads mean more money. Um, how do you want me to do it? And I'll do it. Yeah. Ian, wise words, man. Thank you so much for joining us. The container Gentlemen, daddy. Container daddy. He's, there he he's, is. He's looking him up on LinkedIn. Take care, sir. He's, he's looking him up on LinkedIn. Let me ask you this. So we heard Ian's frustration, right? And um, you must deal with that a little bit. You have shippers come up to you and they say, hey, we want to go sustainable, right? We want to, we need to add some of the stuff from my fleet. What is the challenge for someone like you to present them those solutions? You know, there are a lot of different things out there. You know, it's funny, we get, we get really caught up on carbon and emissions and there's a whole lot of other pieces to that conversation. Um, you know, everybody wants a home run. You know, I'd mentioned that earlier, you know, nobody's interested in singles, doubles, and triples, you know? And so, you know, I can present, you know, one of my roles is I get to talk to startups. I get to visit OEMs. I get to see what's coming. Talking to people like Ian Rust, talking to people like, you know, uh, Remora, which is direct carbon capture. And so our customers are expecting us to bring them ideas that may not necessarily be on the market so that we can sort of plan together for them. But man, it just comes down to cost. Like what's this thing going to be? What I tell founders is, you got to give up trying to figure out your value proposition being cheaper. You have to talk about it in terms of carbon reduction because those are the questions that we're getting asked by our shippers. You like AI at all? Um, I like the fact that Amazon picks some really cool things that I didn't know that I needed. It just says, hey, you might like this. I'm like, like how did it know, right? I, I do like AI. I think it gets, um, I, I have a chat GPT account you you do. Know, that I use to be creative sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna I wrote my that. wife a love letter using ChatGPT. Um, Why are you and, revealing this now? Well, because I told her immediately afterwards after oh, she started okay. crying. And I was like, I'm just sure, because she's a doctor. I was yeah. like, I was just sure she likes technology. I was like, this shows you how good this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. Did you tell her at first or did you let her like take it in? She's like, oh, that was so hard. For I let her like, just to take GPT. it in for a split second before I burst the bubble. It was love GPT. Love GPT. It love I love GPT. it. Meanwhile. Let me get that domain right now. <laughs> get it right now. Meanwhile, let's take a look. <laughs> I lost the job. I love the guy scream. He's just like, no! That'd be bad. They say they didn't have the blocks in the right place. I don't really know. I got to talk to someone who's a little bit more familiar, but we're going to learn a little bit of AI right now. Brian Jones, founder and CEO at Truckbase, and he promises to have an AI-powered dispatch tool. I can't wait. Let's see it. What's up, Brian? Hey, Junior. How you doing today? What's up? And this is my buddy, Matt, from Covenant. I don't know if you've ever met him. He's their VP of sustainability and innovation, the kind of person who would be looking at a little bit of AI. As, as don't try to sell me anything right now. Sell it to me after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- hey, Hello. introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us about it. What's TruckBase? Yeah, we're a simple, modern, dispatch-centric TMS um, for small to mid-sized carriers. So anywhere from 10 to 100 trucks, typically a lot of regional folks moving some direct freight, some brokered loads. And typically you're moving from spreadsheets, text, or email, or some legacy system. And so we use AI to make that process a lot easier 
to eliminate kind of the data entry involved and in getting set up with the TMS. Interesting. So how does the uh, like how does the AI work? What kind of AI is it? The term gets thrown around so much recently. Can it pass the Turing test? Yeah, can it pass the Turing test? Is it like um oh, what was that great movie where like the girl robot is there and he like goes to this founder's Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Oh, Ex Machina. that was fantastic. That was a great movie. Oh, that was great. You kind of look like Isaac. I do. From the movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's fun. And the freight tech media kind of blows it up a little bit. AI is a tool. It's not an outcome, right? Like It's a tool to write love letters to your wife, uh, as, as an example <laughs> you're talking about here. Um, so we think about it as part of how do we solve problems for dispatchers and drivers? What are the pains that they really deal with? And it's all, all about limiting data entry, limiting check calls, more time for conversations with drivers and customers. And it's part of a suite of uh, solutions, whether it's automation, integration, just really good, easy to use design. So for us, it's not about AI being this like, Terminator style thing. It's really the, the unsexy parts of AI where we read documents automatically, eliminate the data entry, and allow you to dispatch loads with a click instead of 23 clicks. So how, like, so how does it work? Do you have like a, like a can, you, can you show us it in action? I do. I actually thought I was gonna be able to share my screen here. I found out like five minutes ago, that's not possible. Um, so I, I can dispatch a load here. Um, all I'm doing on my end is I'm dragging and dropping a rate con. I got from uh, an email from a broker just a minute ago. Uh, so I'm gonna drop it into my system, click uh, import the load. It takes about three to five seconds for it to read the PDF I just got from the broker. All I need to do is I'm going to assign a driver. So, Dooner, you're a driver today. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll hit dispatch here. And three clicks. You should be getting a text here any moment now I with that load. Yes, I just did. It says, uh, let's see. What the Truck Express sent you a load, customer load, and it's going to go to Wisconsin. And then I have a link I can click on here if I, if I like it, right? Or if, uh, if, I, if I accept and I can pull this load. Exactly. So it's it's really about how does that tie into the dispatcher's workflow, the driver's workflow. Um, a lot of the AI tools we have seen in the trucking space have been thinking about, you know, 100 plus trucks. They're all the exact same load. And where you want to optimize that. The reality is if you're a small to mid-sized carrier, all your all your drivers are not interchangeable. All of your shippers and receivers are not interchangeable. And so we think about how do we supercharge dispatch? And that means eliminating every step of the process where you have to do some manual data entry from a driver standpoint, three clicks instead of five clicks, remembering your password. So that's kind of how, how we think about things on our end. Now, my one concern with like AI is sometimes I'll ask chat GPT things. When I ask you things I don't know, it seems brilliant. When I ask you things I do know, it seems like a moron and it's, it seems like a pathological liar. What kind of like checks and balances do you have that this isn't like dispatched me to pick up 30 loads or it has a digit off or it has an address wrong? Like how does it check itself? Yeah, it's good a good question. question. Yeah. Uh, there, there's two aspects here. Uh, we actually think about our AI tool in two categories. One is areas where we have high confidence, right? And we will show hey, this is a high confidence action or a high confidence import. Uh, and then we know when it's low confidence. And so we have a setting where you can either say, don't do anything if it's low confidence or give you a big warning in that scenario. Um, and so we have enough knowledge in the system to, to do that is kind of the first answer. And the second is as a whole, when you think about our system, we are a human in the loop style system. And that's a really important starting point for us because the dispatcher is still involved. They're reviewing all of these actions. We're not eliminating that role. We're elevating that, right? So you can spend less time on data entry and you're reviewing the schedule, you're approving things, and then you're sending uh, dispatches to drivers, talking to customers more. So there's this view of AI of like, hey, we're going to eliminate everything. It's automate. No, it's not that at all. The best AI tools in trucking and freight more generally are the ones that adapt to current workflows, not trying to replace them. Interesting. Any questions about this? Well, I don't live in our brokerage world every day. Yeah. I just know that folks are on the phone a lot. Um, check calls. Yeah, no, it's right? yeah. Just check calls. Check calls right check here. Calls. Text, text locate. Text locate. Does, yeah. does this does this check? Because like when I talk to drivers, what frustrates them about dispatch isn't actually getting the load. It's it's all the check calls that happen afterward, especially when they're being tracked. Does this have a monitoring system in it? 
Yeah, so we tie into your truck. So this goes back to how we started. We start from the dispatcher and the driver and the ground up. A lot of softwares were built for the CFO and a bit more top down. In those scenarios, you kind of forget that drivers don't like the fact that their phone's being tracked. We heard that loud and clear from basically every one of the drivers we work with. So we connect to your ELD, we integrate with over 30 different ELDs and then tie into the truck. And then on the customer side, when the driver gets loaded, you can trigger an automatic email with tracking when they're unloaded, when they arrive, all these different triggers. And you can configure that because sometimes you want, you want to send one tracking link to your dedicated customer and they don't want 50 emails. If you're working with TQL, maybe you want to blast them with 50 emails and you can kind of do that in, in those scenarios as well. Nice. If someone wants to trial this, they want to test it out, they want to uh, see if it works for them, where, like, where do we send them to? Yeah, truckbase.com. Um, you can sign up for a demo there. Um, we also have hello at truckbase.com. That is an email that will get, get sent to me and folks on our team. Um, so we're, we're onboarding new carriers all the time. So excited to talk with any folks that want to see, see the tool in action. And, and before we let you go, I'm kind of curious. You're, you're the founder of this company. Why, AI, why did you go this direction? Why an AI-based dispatcher? Like, What was your like sort of aha moment? This is a company. Yeah, so uh, my, my parents are small business owners. My mom kind of ran the books. My dad did the day-to-day. -day. I have family in trucking. So I knew a little bit about kind of small to mid-sized carriers. But my kind of launching point was actually when I was working at a payroll software company. And we powered payroll for other small business software. And I was trying to partner with TMSs for small to mid-sized trucking companies and got to know some of their challenges a little more intimately. And I was a little bit disappointed in what I found and found a lot of carriers that were also really frustrated. And I didn't really find anyone that loved their software. And I, I knew coming from the software world what was possible today. Um, and so basically had folks asking us for this type of tool because we were trying to partner with an existing tool. And then ultimately that led to, to building TruckBase. You know, those are my favorite founder stories yeah. is that the idea came from a felt need as opposed to maybe some Stanford MBA. Like I want to build a drone that scans inventory and I've never been in a warehouse. I mean, I love that story that you felt a need, you've got the experience and you jumped in there from your lived experience and, and, and came up with something. That's great. I, I mean, love most, most of our, I'm not surprised you're the bloodline thing too. Most of uh, our people who are in freight, whether it's the tech side or it's driving the truck, they had a parent mm -hmm. who was in freight before. I know I was, my dad was on the uh, Marine cargo insurance side. Did you have a, a family in freight? My dad was a college professor, so absolutely no, not. Yeah, no, no, you're just you're the just, antithesis you're, of that. You're the anomaly. That's yeah. why we have you here. Yeah, so yeah. You can be the voice of the, uh, the first one. Your son will be trapped though. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He's, he's about to go to college. He's getting of age, I was going to say. He's yeah, getting big. Yeah. They grow fast, man. They do, man. They grow fast. Well, yeah. hey, thank you so much for joining us, Brian. Everyone go check out Truck Base. Uh, give him a trial. See if you like it. See if it works for your system. Maybe he should get Truck Base Daddy. Truck Base on, Daddy. Oh, like know, to be daddy. like Ian. Yeah. 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 Well, Brian, take care, sir. Take it easy. All right. Elsewhere. What do we got over? Oh, look at this. You like Legos? Check out this oh, Lego yeah. airport right here. This is uh, Adam Tuss that put this up. He said it took him six months and 50,000 Lego pieces. But Richard Pauls from uh, Pete Worth built a replica of Dulles Airport. Dulles? Dulles Airport. Well, the airport bought it. And uh, oh, the airport bought it from him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Look, I love this story. Awesome set. This is an amazing story. I should have even read this before I even had it here. Obviously, I was not, I didn't even know the ending that he sold this. Wow. I'm gonna sell them. My, I'm gonna sell VW off the street. My that VW no, Lego set you made. Where'd he go? Did you take it? I oh, got it right over here. here. So it's like behind my back. It's man. right here. Just in case you tuned in late. This yeah. is my gift. Make Justin jealous. Yeah. He, he didn't get any Legos. All right. Right now, for uh, I don't know. Maybe the last time for a little while. At least on Wednesdays. Hit the horn. Boom boom. Justin. 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 Hello, sir. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, my son is almost at the age for Legos. We're not quite there yet, but very soon. No, then, then the next thing you know, he'll be the, in a truck. Can he breathe on his own? He's old enough oh, yeah. for Legos. <laughs> yes, he's, he's old, old enough for Legos. He's old enough. Just for don't Legos. let him eat them. My kid was I, my kid built the Death Star when he was four, but that was like during the pandemic, and it was sort of like we couldn't go to Disney, so we got some expensive like sort of Lego sets. Like some great, you're such a great dad. Occupiers. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, it was a good time. Yeah, it was good. Well, today is a. Uh, a bittersweet day. It's big news for Freightways. I started the show with it, but Justin, you have your own announcement about your own future. Let us know. Yeah, today's my last day at Freightways. Um, it's been an absolute incredible journey the last two years. Um, again, if you had told me I was doing what I'm doing now two years ago, I never would have believed you. It's been uh, it's been a wild trip, and I'm very excited uh, about where I'm going next. 
do you know where you're going next? Have you uh, made any plans? Uh, kind of social media freelancing. I, I have other people like reaching out with opportunities, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But trying to trying to keep that uh, work from home life going. I don't know that AB five though. You got to be concerned about that then, right? Maybe if you in the truck, you got to worry about AB five. Doing freelance, you got to worry about AB five. What about beard modeling? Yeah, and I'm in and I'm in New Jersey, so yeah, they're really pushing that here. Ugh, not good. My wife does does. I do freelance when I'm not doing this. My wife does freelance. It's stupid. Married couples do. Tons and tons of freelance. Your wife do any freelance, any design or anything? It's kind of hard. She's a doctor, so it's kind of hard, yeah. hard to freelance. Like yeah. freelance. Well, you go like down to Mexico. And you know, she does freelance. <laughs> we'll be at a party. So, hey, I've got this medical thing. And, you know. The new Saw movie was about that. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. The lady went, like, they went down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they, were tricked. they tricked the guy. They tricked the Saw guy himself that they were going to cure his cancer. You don't do that to Jigsaw. I don't watch Saw. Yeah, well, that's Saw 10. <laughs> I just gave you the entire plot. Speaking of Saw, we saw that there was going to be a border convoy. So, by the way, Super Trucker, got to give you a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Cowbell salute. Thank you so much for your service. But now we got some business to get to. There's a big border convoy. I thought you might be quitting to go join that. But then I saw on Monday's show, we talked about it. We saw the takeoff in Virginia. There was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 vehicles total. Not a single semi. Fox News. One of the reasons why on here, and, you know, we talk about Craig all this time. Should we cover this particular truck? Trucker protest should we bring in? It's like usually the rule is if if no one's touching it, none of your trucker friends say they are, and if the mainstream media doesn't touch it, there's no need to promote it. However, Fox News went out and said there's gonna be a hundred thousand vehicles, and this promoter said there would be forty thousand trucks, but it turns out they're all lost at Bucky's or something. What happened with this thing? Yeah, so the the initial number was seven hundred thousand truckers, and we immediately were like, there aren't even that many truckers in oh. that half of the country, so that's that's kind of out the window. It was definitely off to a rocky start. Um, not very good at organizing in the beginning. They're down in Louisiana te- at the Texas border right now, so we're, we're keeping tabs on that. Um, I spoke to some of the guys, not in charge of like organizing it, but are you know pretty well attached, and a lot of the, you know it's they're saying this is this is all mainstream media. Um, you know, lies and everything, but they're trying to do what they can to get their people down there. Um, I've had a couple reach out that want to come on the show, so we can talk about that afterwards if you're interested. Um, but I, I'm, I'm telling them, look, go down there and stay out of trouble because it seems like the governor of Texas is doing what the best he can. And the last thing that they need to be doing dealing with is a bunch of truckers down there right now. You know, didn't in Canada, there was a GoFundMe page set up to support the, the truckers and then the they took the page down or they wouldn't give them the money or. Yeah, well, yeah, they actually they just ruled. And I was talking about that last week on the show. That was the uh, Freedom Convoy up in um, up in Canada. That was about the uh, the vaccine mandates, the border mm-hmm. mandates in 2022. And um, as we said, I think that caught some track. They're very rare. Trucker protests get traction and they get like the middle or anyone to really care that much. But like that one came at a time when I think people were a little sick of COVID lockdowns and mm-hmm. stuff. So they got attention. It was just ruled that it was illegal for Canada to take that GoFundMe page and to, to seize their crypto. But Gord told us they still haven't even gotten their money back, but it's just been ruled. Really? Some of those guys are still locked up from that. Yeah. Wow. Can happen yeah, with GoFundMe, this though. That's where you got to be careful. GoFundMe, These things can turn serious quick. Yeah. GoFundMe shut down the page on their own. And then all the organizers switched over to crypto platforms. And that was when the government stepped in and just shut down their bank accounts. So no matter what platform they were using, they had access to nothing. Yeah, there were there, there was a lot of rhetoric that like this was canned as January 6th. And like they were very much trying to position that. And you got to have a strong hand with the government. And the media had a lot of control. I mean, that, that protest was very smeared like in the news. But online, you would get a much different opinion. And it wasn't just truck drivers supporting it. It was an interesting convoy. This particular one, I'm mostly seeing public opinion kind of dunk on this. And I know us and Freight, a lot of us, um, regardless of the message, we just laughed at the number 700,000 because it was so preposterous. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like uh, anytime uh, a news article mentions you know eighty thousand truck drivers shortage right now, those big numbers get all the clicks. So that's why they're going going with that. You got to have a big number. You got to have it. Well, you know, is there a shortage? Because there is a big CDL bribe scheme going on. Have you heard about this one? So in Massachusetts, came out yesterday. WCVB says four current and former Massachusetts state police troopers, and I think I think we have. Yeah, there we go. Former uh, four, two civilians. Wait, hold on. Let me start again. 
Four current and former Massachusetts State Police troopers and two civilians are facing federal, I can't read, are facing federal charges in connection with a bribery conspiracy that gave guaranteed passing scores on commercial driver's license to applicants. These gentlemen were uh, Sergeant Gary Cedarquest, he's 58 of Stoughton, Trooper Joel Rogers, 54 of Bridgewater. Uh, we got civilian Scott Kamara, 42 of Rehoboth, that's in uh, Rhode Island, and Eric Matheson, 47 of Boston. They were all arrested on Tuesday, there was also a couple retired troopers who got involved in this, too. And apparently they had this cold word golden. And what they would do is they were just giving CDLs away. People were coming in. They knew a guy who owned a water company, right, Justin? They, and he needed drivers. So they'd go in and uh, they, they had texts. They would make all sort of jokes. They said, this guy was so awful. We have to, you know, he owes me a prime rib. They would trade it for an Arizona iced tea, one of these CDLs. I don't know what these companies were thinking. Like, why would you want somebody working for you that doesn't know what they're doing? Is it all cost? I don't know. Is that how, is that how you go? Have you, have you ever hired anyone at Covenant over well, a prime rib? No. No. But I can tell you, driving a truck is hard. I yeah. um, went with one of our um, trainers a few weeks ago and tried to back it up. And Ooh. and I tell you, it, it, you know, CDL, yeah, you don't want people running around there with a fake CDL. You don't want people running around with a fake CDL. Absolutely not. It's 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 dangerous. Has anything has anything happened since this story came out? No. So the indictment has come out. Um, it's seventy four counts. So these guys are looking at some serious time because each individual count can come with you know a years long sentence. So they're going to be going away for a while, I think, as well they should. Um, we hear about this kind of stuff all the time in other mm-hmm. states. Um, I can't uh, probably check the DMs on on TikTok. We get people all the time in California saying this this exact same thing goes on. Um, it's just. It hasn't come out in the news yet, so give it time. I'm sure people are investigating. If they aren't, they really should be. There's absolutely no reason any of these people should be on the road um, behind the wheel of an 80,000-pound vehicle. So how does this work? So the state police troopers, they have some CDL forms. Are they allowed to administer the test? How are they, like, how are they gaming it? Yeah, so in Massachusetts, it's the state police that administers the CDL exams. Most other states, they have their own like DMV oh. that does it, but for whatever reason, Massachusetts, it's all done within the state police. So that's the attack vector. You find it a statey, you get him on your side, or you, you have a... These are some of the texts, too. He said, your buddy passed yesterday. He uh, he owes you. That's an automatic failing, leaving the door open. So these guys, they completely see it, too. I mean, the cops are laughing about it. They say, this guy's a mess. He owes you a prime rib six-inch, four compounds, and no watch. Your buddy is a mess. He owes you big time. He'll be fine, though. Anything for you. This must all be the same guy who keeps typing, your buddy is a mess. Golden mess, he types. Uh, He's a mess. Class A truck, two PSI loss, and truck running. Truck cut hour again while timing. Total mess, this guy. I think sometime we should just do what we can, but not golden. Oh, there's actually one guy they thought was so awful that they wouldn't even pass him? Yeah. You know, Obviously, these guys are just thinking about themselves and, and what they're getting out of this. They're not putting any thought whatsoever into what if it was their wives or their kids or their grand. I'm sure they're older. What if their grandkids are on the roads with these guys? Why? Who would want to be driving next to a vehicle like this on the road? Sounds like an episode of Dukes of Hazard with Boss Hog. Yeah, well, <laughs> one of them said they like one of the CDLs they gave away for a snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it was a good one. What, what's yeah, a, I don't know. What's a good trade for for how much? How much would this cost if you were to do this legitimately? Uh, CDL school ranges anywhere now from like 4,000 to I've seen as high as 13,000. So most people aren't paying out of pocket these days. You know, your States will give you subsidies or or Pell grants and stuff for this kind of thing. So these are just people who couldn't pass the test or either didn't want to. And you know, they're, they're just doing whatever they can to, to get their CDL. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. We'll have to follow this case over here. By the way, Matt, you just went on a test drive, didn't you down here in Chattanooga? Uh, Right before the show. Yeah. What kind of car was it? I think we have a picture of it. What was this vehicle? Show Matt's uh, car really quick. Look at that thing. Look at that, Justin. My childhood dream came true. A buddy of mine just bought a Lamborghini Countach in 1983. Yeah. And when he told me about it, I was like, please, please, please let me go for a ride. He not only let me go for a ride, let me drive it. He let you drive it? It How did it drive? Unbelievable. You know what? It's not nearly as fast as, say, like a Tesla Model 3. Yeah. But it is quite possibly the sexiest car ever made. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this as I'm looking at this thing. 1983. Yeah. It's so radical, so different. By today's standards in 2024, it kind of reminds me of the people, how people criticize the Cybertruck. Like, that's the stupidest looking thing ever. Well, you know, it's so futuristic. It's so different. That's probably what that car looked like back in the day. 
It was such a fun car. I'm almost too tall to drive it. What I, I've seen, like, there's a video of a guy online. They're like, some middle-aged guy was getting inside of, a, of like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, and he had to, like roll on the ground. Did you have to like roll in yourself? In I'd take my shoes off to get into it. I don't know. We're pretty big, Justin. I don't know if we would yeah. fit in one of those too well. That was my. I that was those, like. I did one of those like racetrack ride-along things, and yeah, you're you're crammed in like like this and those things, but. 1983, 1982, that was a great year for cars. My first car I ever had was an 82 Datsun 280ZX. So nowhere near as... That was my first... That was one of my first cars. That was one of your (laughs) first cars? cars. (laughs) Well, you know, it's important when you're driving a car to to follow your your GPS, but maybe not too close. Let's take a look at this bridge strike over here. Justin, analyze what went wrong for us over here. One one could be the sign. That's the sign. (laughs) Weaving in and out of the lanes. His, His trailer's tracking over the double lines. Passed another sign and just uh, kablam. These are uh, 12 four signs. There's two of them right in succession. Mm-hmm. Then there's one on the bridge, and he gives himself a can opener. Now, some people did ask, what are you supposed to do? You come around that bend, you see the 12 four sign. What are you supposed to do? I mean, the obvious answer would be stop and turn around, right? Not just drive through it because you've already no, got the obvious far. answer. Is, the obvious answer is trip plan ahead of time so you're never there in the first place. But you know, these things happen. I was in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, going through downtown and came across that exact same situation. I had to pull into a um, a junkyard and do a U-turn and back out. So, you know, these things can happen, but this, this is a good example of why you need to pre-trip ahead of time. Don't trust your GPS. Know where you're going and where what routes you need to go ahead of time. Or use a truck-related GPS, yes. not Google Maps. Not Google Maps. That's yeah. going to send your Lamborghini through there, not thinking that you need over 13 feet of clearance. You can, uh, I guess, what, an old-school trick? Let the air out of your tires and drive through flat. Maybe that'll give you a couple inches. Ooh. Not a full foot four. <laughs> no, you're still going to need uh, another, I don't know, eight, nine inches, right? Yeah, but God forbid, okay, say for real, like say you are in that situation, stop, pull over, call the police. They would much rather help you back up a mile to get to the right route than have to deal with the the cleanup of uh you know can opening yourself yeah or bridge inspection matt, matt have you read uh yeah. great bandit magazine yet how did you get on the cover how, that, that doesn't even look anything <laughs> like me sir that man has a few more tattoos than me well this gentleman right here by the name of g face he has found himself um on the end of the uh, the firing line again online let's take a look at his uh tape here and justin you can tell us about it afterwards roll the roll the clip roll your truck for a year straight, since I have my own brokerage, I give my drivers loads for a year free. Because once you open up a trucking company, everybody that's in the trucking business knows. Your first year, nobody's going to give you loads, bro. That's why if you see those clowns, the uh, the trucking guru and all these bullshit, these white boy truckers on YouTube or whatever, oh, he's a scammer. What they're mad about is that I'm using my brokerage to give my clients loads for a year straight. Give but in reality, years, that's considered double brokering because they're selling it to my MC, but I'm giving it to my client's MC. Right now, you, nobody's stealing your loads. Nobody's doing yours. Your loads still getting delivered on time the same way I would. Only difference is my loyalties to my clients because I'm guaranteeing you just off your truck alone. Yeah. I'll make you 15K a month after overhead is paid off. Can you believe it, Matt? The, the double brokers are now TikTok freight influencers. That was one of the clowns that he was talking about in that interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a guy named Mike Lombard. He doesn't like uh, Mike Lombard. Yeah, but does he have five followers or five million? I don't know. How many followers does G-Face have? Is he pretty big? Uh, yeah, he's he's hundreds of thousands because, wow. you know, he's flashing all the money. So it's not so much people in trucking that he's attracting. He's he's going after, like, the disenfranchised people, people with criminal backgrounds, and, you know, they can't get legit jobs. So he'll run you through his network. And, yeah, you could probably make some money on it, but he's ripping you off and ripping off his customers and, you know, laughing his way to the bank in the process. Hey, Matt, they didn't happen to have this particular device over at CES, did they? Do you think this could revolutionize safety tech? Take a look here. Now, it's a backpack you wear. You wear it on the power lines. You can wear it while you're, you're on the bridge. And then look, a drone pops out of the back, and it just flies you down. Computer safe. simulation. Yeah. <laughs> they obviously didn't do it. What would be person. like, what would like guys that work on windmills? Or? Apparently this, yeah. You ever see that movie Fall where the two girls get stuck on like a giant tower? Oh, there's no way I could have. I, I saw that. They were right. Yeah. yeah. They, they would, was, they would, the movie would have been over in like two minutes if they had this. I don't know. That's kind of cool. You know, I do fly hang gliders and do crazy stuff, but I'm not sure I'd feel okay with that. That's what I was going to ask you. Justin, would you, if you're like over 200 pounds, would you strap one of these to your back, Justin? Absolutely not. Also, those blades are going to going pretty fast. So, what do you do when you hit the ground? Those blades oh, are like, stopping. Like lands on your head and just starts like cutting your neck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you hit. You, you make a nice. Soft oh, look at that. On the ground, and then you get cut to pieces. 
they're just spinning through air resistance. There's not even a motor on them. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know if they're supposed to like fly you or it's just like supposed to be more like a parachute. Like, like an auto-rotating slow, it slows helicopter. you down. My dad was a helicopter pilot. I'll, I'll forward that video to him and see what he thinks. Well, Justin, we're just about out of time. Thank you so much for your service here. People who want to find you on the internet, they want to find you on your new journey. What the same place they could always go, which is Super Trucker on X, right? Anywhere else they can find you? Uh, yeah, for now, Super Trucker on X. Um, I'm still shadow banned on there trying to get that fixed um in the in the meantime but yeah reach out to me if you have any questions well take care sir best of luck in your future endeavors and uh we'll catch you on the flip side matt thank you so much for uh this lego kit i'm working on a map right now but as soon as the map is like the most pieces that any LEGO that'll fit on a normal shelf you don't have to like buy new furniture to find a new home for it good so i'm running out of space some of these are just uh way way too much way too much. Matt, how do people find you? Uh, Instagram, Chad the Van, LinkedIn, Matt McClelland. You're um, off, man. You, you can find me at Timothy Jr. Find the show at FW. Welcome to the Bang it away. Goodbye. See you next week. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Natural. <laughs>